0: isn't that the truth let's let's pray just for a moment jesus we turn our eyes to you in a a world so full of unrest and uncertainty we rest on the certainty that you are the only true and firm foundation So as we come together here this morning to sing your praise, to get ready for the holy week that is coming up, to to hear from your word what you want to say to us, your church in this place. Will you inspire us? Will you put us on our knees before you? Would you allow us to call on your glory and see your movement in our midst and in our hearts? Father I ask for everyone here those present in this building those who are uh, looking in and watching and participating from wherever they are at whatever time in the week they're doing so we ask for a movement of your spirit we ask for the encouragement of your presence and we ask for the strengthening to become the very messengers you have called us to become in this world that so desperately needs you. And we pray all this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? And those of you who are wondering when is going to be my launch day for being back, I'm speaking to those of you who are watching online at the moment. Uh, what about next Sunday? What about next Sunday? And I want to say that to all of you also who are accustomed maybe to invite your friends and your neighbors and all that for a great Easter morning celebration. May I highlight to you that it is next Sunday, Palm Sunday, that Holy Week begins. Yes? And there's something about that we miss the real power of Easter morning if we don't allow ourselves to walk through that week. This is indeed a, an emotional roller coaster. We start on Palm Sunday, we're filled with anticipation and excitement about what's coming, and then comes the, the depths of depth, so to speak. Right as. As we go through that week and devastation and what's going on and, and I can't figure out what, what is happening here. They, they killed our Lord and Savior and we go into the dark moment and then the explosion of light and the revelation of God's power. The Sunday that follows. There's something about that. And I hope you'll be here for it. There will be several moments to do that. And I trust and hope you will live through that even in your families. Be faithful that week. It's the holiest of weeks, uh, for, for us as Christians. Uh, not that every week is not holy, but there's something about walking through that emotional roller coaster and see this is what the disciples really went through. But today I want to talk to you about encouragement. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Acts chapter 4... And as you're finding that place, let me just remind you, we are un, uh, in this series, if you will, that we call For Life. And we saw a little sermon bumper on, on that. And, and we're playing on that duality of that meaning, right, where we talk about for life. It, is, it, it lasts throughout our lives and has power to do so. But it's also for the sake of life. It has life-giving power, what we are uh, talking about here. And so we have walked through some of these things. Right? We we looked at, at the kind of uh, energy of, of Timothy and we saw what that, that did to, to churches around. We look at strong homes of like Priscilla and Aquila. We looked at the faithfulness of Mark. We, we have looked at, at the insightfulness of, of Luke and we have seen all that. Today I want us to focus on someone called Barnabas. And let me just have you reflect just with me for a second before we begin this. And just think like this. Might there be anything at all that is more motivating in life than encouragement? There are times I think, you know, motivation, what's a great synonym for that? Well, encouragement is, right? And there's something, so I want us to kind of look at that. And I was going to read some text uh, with you all here that kind of points to this person and you will know why we chose him in in just a second right it's we're in chapter 4 in the book of Acts I begin to read in verse 32 uh, those of you who know the story uh, you will pick up right with me those of you who are not quite familiar with the flow of the book of Acts I'll encourage you to read it it's not that big of a read You know, sometimes you're thinking, it's such a long book. Well, you read one at a time. It's not that bad, right? Just saying. By the way, have I said this before? This is a great book. I highly recommend it, right? It's called The Holy Bible. There you go. So now the entire group Of those who believed, and that's a lot, right? In in chapter uh, 2, we see, you know, 3,000 people come to faith. In chapter 3, we see a number more. In chapter 4, we see a number more. And so here, the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then uh, distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph. A Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostle called Barnabas or Barnabas, which is translated, what? Son of encouragement. Sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostle's feet. Now, we're going to move on and, and go to, to, uh, to chapter 9, and I'm going to pick up at 26, right, the story flows, but I'm picking up here with, with Barnabas again in verse 26 of chapter 9. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. That's, that's Paul now. Paul being out to persecute the disciples, right? Uh, but they were all afraid of him since they had not, they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now think of this. I'm going to get back to that in a little bit. Paul had persecuted disciples. had come to Christ and now he wants to join them. <laughs> right? Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. I'm going to jump to chapter 11 uh, verse 22 now they're they're now in Antioch and the church is scattered and they're there and so news about them uh, reached the church that there's a new believers up in Antioch and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch when he arrived and saw the grace of God he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts he was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith. And a large number of people were added to the Lord. Now, jump to verse, chapter 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a close friend of Herod, the t- uh, Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping. The Lord in fasting the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Now think about what's going on here, right? It doesn't take much observation. And of course, researchers can spend a long time, you know, affirming this, but we, we notice pretty quick that encouragement is a tremendous motivator. It's just how it works. We, we act as human beings from different kinds of criteria, right? There are different motivations that carry us uh, through different things. For example, we, we do certain things just because they're right. This is the right thing to do, so we do that. We we do other things because we truly, truly like uh, doing that. We do other things because we find that this is to our benefit to do that. We do certain things because, um, you know, this is just, I don't know sure what would happen if I don't do it. But our circumstances kind of demand that of us, and we can go on and on uh, from that. Some things are done out of friendship and out of love, so there are different kind of motivations that carry some of that. Then, of course, there's all the things that we don't really get done too much, things that for some reason or another uh, we don't feel like. Doing, or or we don't actually care about it too much or or we, we don't feel like we have the energy necessary for that. We don't feel like this is not my table. This is not what I need to be, be doing or I'm just fed up with it. You all don't get that. Some people can get that, right? And so there are certain things we don't or we simply have gotten to the point where we said, well, I'm okay with that being mediocre. You know, no, don't see the need for this to really be done with all the power that I have so we accept some of that so the question then becomes how do we or what do we do as people as Christians for that matter also in the church but even broadly as people to to kind of motivate one another to do or to reach new heights to to get to this plane where we want to be, to face new challenges, to engage in in what is coming our way. How do we see that? And the answer to much of that is what? Encouragement. I want to walk through these texts with you, if that's okay. And I want to make sure we don't understand that encouragement is not just one relentless kind of uh, line of constant positive feedback. That can become just as much a pillow as it can become a motivator. Don't, don't miss that. True encouragement is the kind of speech, the kind of action that is especially designed to bring new life. New invigoration, if you will, new vitality and motivation to those that we are trying to motivate or to encourage. Yes, that's what true encouragement is all about. So when we come to the New Testament, it is somewhat straightforward uh, with the testimony about how we are to behave uh, among one another and among those who are uh, on the outside. You are to be an encouragement for the sake of life, a life-giving kind of person. This is the unequivocal kind of word from God. When you turn there, mature Christians are characterized by the fact that they encourage one another. If you take Paul, thirteen letters from his hands, right? And and you know if you know a little bit about his letters, there will be so many things that he could get really upset or get not. Read them their right acts. Yes? And you never see that except when someone is going up directly in contrast to the gospel, proclaiming a gospel that is indeed not a gospel. Now, when that's the case, there's no holes barred, right? Then, then he get. But other than that, he is one who brings encouragement for the sake of life. It is as if he had heard the Lord's prayer, right, when when he recognized that he should forgive because he has been forgiven. There is something Christ did. In fact, all of Paul's theology, for those of you who have deeper interest in that, is built on that thing, that he states the thing about what Christ has done. Christ broke down the wall that separates, therefore, and here comes the command don't have divisions among you all of Paul's structure is like that stating what Christ has done and then encouraging from that what we are there for to live out but we're not looking at Paul today we're going to look at at Barnabas Barnabas's real name really was was Joseph because of what he did Things he did, he they gave him a nickname, if you will, that matched his personality. They called him Barnabas or Barnabas. and You'll know why I say it that way in a little bit. That means son of encouragement. And notice what's going on here. It's, it's almost impossible to exaggerate the importance that this person had in the early church. He was clearly a well-to-do person who had a big field and, and he was able to sell that and he brought those money to the church. To a church that was limited in its possibility, he brought a gift of encouragement. And so he becomes that example of a Christian that, that inspires whole churches with his gifting and with his devotion. Some of you can do that. Some of you can be huge Huge, I encourage us through your ability uh, to give. But this was just the beginning. If you look back at this text, right, this was just be the beginning of his eager participation in the life of the church. The next time we hear his name mentioned, it is in connection with Paul. Paul had been this avid, avid persecutor of the church. He set out to say, let's just get rid of them. Let's just kill them all and and get rid of them. But now he had come to faith. He said, I need to join. it." he had been converted and convicted about the truth about Jesus Christ. And so he wants to join the church. Now, can you get that image in your mind? Here's this person who used to kill them all. And he comes and says, can I join your church? By the way, I want to know your names and your addresses. Uh. Maybe not. So the church wasn't too excited about that. And what happens? Here comes Barnabas. And say, let me tell you about Paul. And so with, with a voice, so to speak, a word of, of encouragement, a word of, of, of just uh, explanation that brought Paul back into the thing Barnabas was able to see what the church could not yet see and so he became through his encouraging words a fabulous fabulous instrument for the gospel it was that word that he brought that changed the whole mission of the church and I don't know if you ever thought of that but at least from a human perspective right if if Barnabas had not gone out and, and brought Paul in, and then from our perspective uh, as human beings, God can of, of course always do whatever he wants, right? That was what became the background for the launching of the mission that ultimately started a church in a little town on the other side of the planet called Louisville, Texas. First Baptist. Is that an awesome thought? even to recognize that word of encouragement. Don't write him off. Listen to how God has used him. That makes me think, what are the words you are using when you talk about your church, when you talk about your fellow church members? When you talk about, for that matter, your fellow human beings. Now, Barnabas could have chosen to join the the choir of the worried and the negative. But instead of focusing on the difficulty of human interaction, he decided to focus on the strength of God's opportunities and God's grace. And so the only word we hear from him is this life-giving word of encouragement. And then Luke is summarizing. Man, I've, if there's every word that I wish my life could be summarized that, this is it, right? Sometimes you're thinking, can my life be summarized by one sentence? He was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith. Now, that's a true statement about you. That ought to go on your tombstone, I'm just saying, right? He was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith. That's the summary. So, the third largest city in the world at that time was Antioch. Rome, of course, was the largest. Alexandria in North Africa was the second largest. And then came Antioch. And the persecution, which Paul had been a part earlier, now was so strong uh, also in Jerusalem that people fled. And where do you go when you want to hide? You go to a place where there are so many people you can hide, right? So they run to Antioch, the third largest city in the world, and, and they get there and they can't shut up. And so they had to talk about Jesus, right? And so they begin to talk, not just in the Jewish synagogues, they begin to talk about Jesus among pagans, people like you and me, heathens, souls who are not, have not grown up in the Jewish faith. And so here they were, and what was worse, they, they, these, uh, these, uh, Gentiles, as we call them, right? Uh, they, Came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so what now? What are they to do? Is it even possible to imagine that folks different from us, different from the people of God, Israel, that they could come to faith? How does that work? They had to figure that out. So they send Barnabas. And they send him up to Antioch to check out what is going on. And when Barnabas came... It says right here, he was glad. Look at this text. He was glad, chapter 11, right? And the text continues and says, he encouraged them to hold on, to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. There's little doubt when he came to Antioch that there were all kinds of things going on that he thought, this is weird, right? So here's this church. None of them had grown up uh, in the Jewish faith. None of them had heard stories about how God created. They didn't know about Abraham and, and the covenant with God. They didn't know about Moses and the Ten Commandments. They had no kind of background in those kinds of stories. They had just come to faith that Jesus was the Son of God. And therefore, they had to surrender their lives to him, and then they were learning from there. No doubt he saw all kind of weird things going on when they had their different kinds of pagan backgrounds. But what happened? Did he spend all his time just pointing that out? Oh, you're wrong. Oh, you're wrong. No. Instead of concentrating on the things that needed correction, most likely he concentrated on how God, by his grace, had entered the lives of these human beings. And so he brought a word of encouragement, life-giving encouragement into a situation that could change. It is, it is as if he said to himself, I see these people. How can I, can I encourage the good things God is doing in their midst and let that just come to fruition? And so that's where we have things going on that he spoke with that kind of passion, that kind of love, that kind of certainty and conviction about God's grace that God would do his work I'm going to speak life into that situation. I read that sometimes. And I wonder, how would I react? Would my gut have told me to correct these things? To tell them that, you know, you ought to become like me first? Like a Judaizer in many ways? What would we have done? Or would I have... Locked my gaze, if you will, on the good things that God was doing. And then through encouragement, try to l- love into being a greater conviction about the good there's so much to be said here friends and 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 I need to not go too too long on some of that but but let me let me just uh, ask you here to to notice a thing that most people probably have overlooked right when you read about Barnabas there can be very little a doubt in the early church right that it was Barnabas that was known and he came from Jerusalem and, and so they sent out as the text also says they sent out Barnabas and Paul Barnabas was the leader Paul was the helper And then what happens? Just a few verses later on, if you go down to 13, verse 13, you would see here it says, Paul and his companions set sail. Suddenly it's about Paul. What happened to Barnabas? Well, all we know is that We don't see any kind of kind of him being offended. We don't see him saying, Oh, well if that's it, I'm out. We see him instead moving and saying, This is what matters. I need to encourage people to walk with Christ, and if I can do that better from a position of support, I will, even if I used to be in the lead here. I hope you're hearing this. I don't know if there's any word that can be stronger about human. Maturity, that you're able to move from that position to that position and still keep your focus on what truly matters, right? That's maturity. The opposite would have been immaturity, right? And so we see power right here. He just said, how can I bring fruit out of encouraging from whatever position I have. And then there's this wonderful uh, story that we didn't have time to read uh, where, where Paul and, and Barnabas is coming to a town of Lystra and they're all confused about what they were doing because they were doing some some miracles. So they said they must be gods. And what do they do? They conclude that that since Paul is a speaker, he must be Hermes, right? The God of, of those who are great in oratory. But that quiet, majestic, encouraging Barnabas, they called him what? Zeus, the father of all the Greek gods. Even those who were confused about who they really were saw a majestic maturity in this person who was called son of encouragement. Now, some of you are thinking, is that too glossy of a picture? I'm going to ask you, can you be inspired by someone like Barnabas? That's a real question, friend. You live here once, yes? Can you be inspired by someone like Barnabas? And he was not flawless certainly not there are all kinds of things going on this was a difficult time so Paul refers to that in Galatians for example that that even Barnabas can kind of Miss the point at times. He's not flawless. So they are in this huge debate where you got these very opinionated uh, Jewish Christian coming out and say everybody needs to become Jewish first like us and be circumcised and keep the law and all that before they can become Christians. And that was a big thing. And several of the other apostles were kind of pulled in. Paul says even Barnabas got pulled in by their hypocrisy. He was not flawless. He could kind of get pulled along with all these smaller little kind of disagreements and, and kind of a waves that were going on in discussions. But his heart and his main kind of posture, if you will, is that he would meet people with love and encouragement because he wanted to see God's grace grow in these people's hearts. lives you see that difference let me let me round this up there's an old legend you know we don't know it's true but it's an old legend that says that joseph also called barnabas really is the same as joseph whose name was barsabbas and those of you who remember Scripture, uh, you will remember in Acts chapter 1. And those of you who don't, let me encourage you again to, to just read that chapter, chapter 1 of the book of Acts. You know, after uh, Judas Iscariot had betrayed Jesus, they were looking to select another twelfth apostle. And the choice was between two. One was Matthias, the other one was Joseph Sabbath. And we know it was Matthias that was uh, chosen. So what happened to Joseph bar Well, we don't know. But if that legend speaks the truth that, that Joseph bar was that very same Joseph and because he was this encourager, they just changed his name ever so slightly and made him Joseph Barnabas. What a powerful story, Right? Are you hearing this? Someone from not being chosen, from somewhat being rejected, took those emotions and challenged them into a greater sensitivity toward others instead of just getting upset. Whoa. Are you hearing this? That's maturity right there. He channeled those emotions into greater sensitivity for others to strengthen his spiritual involvement, to strengthen his commitment to the church and they enable God's grace to grow among them. That's encouragement for the sake of life, for the duration of life. It'll last, friends. That is so strong. Maybe we ask, and maybe we could end that way. Why do we see so much about Barnabas? In Scripture, there are so many other people that are mentioned by name once, or maybe not even mentioned at all. Isn't it because of the power of encouragement? Have you thought of that? I'm going to give you a minute to let your mind roll back of the people who have truly made a difference in your life. Go all the way back to childhood. School, elementary, high school, college, wherever, you know, workplaces, friends, whatever. Those who truly have meant something, have they not been the ones who have encouraged you along the way? Who helped you bring out the bad, the best? Has that not been it? Can that not be exactly what we see here concerning the gospel and the voice that comes from Barnabas here? He was the one who saw the possibility of God's grace and the power of the gospel before he saw the difficulty of the fellowship. He was the one who met people with the openness of trust as opposed to this more stifled distrust that so often comes. He was the one who brought life-giving word of encouragement when everybody else couldn't see anything but wrong he is the one who took the pain that was his and channeled that into a new sensitivity toward others that allowed him to be a voice for life can we be challenged? Could this be a place, the church? When people say, what about 1st Baptist Louisville? They will say, that's one group of encouraging people. That is a good church full of Holy Spirit and faith. When they say that about you and your home, whatever comes out, your mouth, your life, your utterances, whatever. would what they say, that is someone who speaks a word of life-giving, encouragement, for faith. Let's not just overhear this, friends. And so we just go, oh, well, we heard another sermon. As we stand to pray now and, and just to sing it a song you know we don't do that much we're Baptist church after all we're not showing emotions yes not all Baptist church like that but you know we're First Louisville anyway right so let's just stand for a moment some of you would want to grab someone's hand and pray right right where you are some of you may want to come and kneel and and just say hey I need someone to pray with other than me or I just want to be down here on my own there's something God does in our hearts we come and ask him and kneel right here I don't think there's anything special about coming in that kind of way in in terms of salvation, but I do think, friends, it does something to our hearts when we're not afraid to say, I just need to talk to God about these things. If you're here, you want to join the church or other ways, you know, this is a good opportunity as well. But let's spend these moments praying to God. Some of the deans will come down here as well, and we'll just spend some time praying to the Lord.